Uh, was thankful that Chuck Thigpen from ATI um, asked me to do a, a LinkedIn Live. They've got a LinkedIn Live series for ATI called Move. And they were reflecting on 2023, right? That's what we do this time of year. We look back and then look forward. And Chuck was just like, listen, would you just, let's just talk about trends, thing we've, things we've been seeing happening, and then like sort of extrapolate, like guess, make a hypothesis where things are going next. So uh, thankful for Chuck and ATI for inviting me to that. I brought some things that I've been talking about, some things you've seen me talk about because I talk with my fingers on keyboards on the social medias. Um, and I, I, I like to hear from you. So I'd love for you to take a listen to this episode, hear what I have to say, and then throw your two cents in. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Am I nuts? I mean, yes, but also, do you think I could be right? Uh, Chuck is the Senior Vice President of Clinical Excellence at uh, ATI alongside uh, myself. We just kicked around some ideas um, about what we thought was coming. Let's uh, just give a little preview. Uh, technology. I don't think it's going to replace people. I think it will replace people who don't use technology. And in what ways, though? So saying technology, you have a bold move, Jimmy. How bold of you to say technology. Uh, but I get a little detailed in this episode. And for those of you listening right now, like close to the release date, I do want to stress in the show note of the episode or the description below in the YouTube video thing, however we're putting these things, uh, we'll have a link for you to win, pay attention, dramatic pause, an all-expense-paid trip to CSM. That's cool, right? Get you in, you know, get you there. Put you up the whole night. Uh, that is also thanks to ATI. It's a nice little, uh, nice little tie-in. So uh, check the link in the show notes. And thanks again for ATI for having me on for this uh, 2023 reflection and 2024 look ahead. Good afternoon. Uh, we're excited to have have you for the final episode of Move. Uh, it's a wrap, looking back at physical therapy in 2023 and what's to come in 2024. What, is the, what, have, what have we seen in the industry this year and what, where are we headed next year? And I'm excited to have Jimmy McKay, host of PT Pinecast with me. Uh, Jimmy and I have worked together on a couple of different projects, and I just really enjoy his insight and perspective, and that would be a great way. Uh, Jimmy, a little bit, I think it'd be great for the audience just to hear your background if they don't know kind of how you yeah. – uh, uh, how a radio host becomes a PT, but I'd love to uh, just share with us. Well, I think I think my backstory fits with the theme, which is looking backwards to look forward. And a lot of times, looking backwards, the, or looking forwards, things don't make sense, and then you look backwards, they make perfect sense. So it all starts. I did the morning announcements, Chuck, in sixth grade, and I said, "This feels cool." to know that I'm doing something and it's affecting so many other people in the school. And I was doing really deep things like telling everybody it's pizza day and basketball tryouts are at five o'clock. Uh, fast forward. I did. I went to, uh, went to, to college for journalism and communications, had some really great internships and then worked in radio for, uh, for close to 15 years. And I just got to play rock music loud and wear guns and roses t-shirts to work. And that's what I was going to do. And then 2008, again, looking forward, it's like, this is, a, we're going to get into this. This is a little bit of a change, but sometimes little changes can change the world. And in 2008, a guy walked on stage wearing a black turtleneck and introduced the iPhone to the world. And a couple months later, I got my hands on one. And I'm driving home from the radio station, listening to a radio station in Los Angeles while I'm in Pennsylvania. And I realized that time and space were going to be forever changed. You know, I couldn't be the fourth coolest guy on the radio in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and make a living doing that while I'm competing against the world. So things change. So how I got to physical therapy 
And this profession is, I sort of looked and said, I don't think radio is going to be the same in the future. So I'm going to look for something different and uh, love the human body and loved sports and loved triathlon in particular, because triathlon, Chuck, as you know, probably allowed me to be mediocre at three things in one day. So I can be mediocre at swim, bike and run and be efficient at it too. And, uh, and got to PT school and loved everything I, I saw in the profession and wound up launching a podcast sort of as a goof as a second year PT student. And it sort of caught on because I really do like talking to people like we're going to, and we're going to get into some topics today about looking back and where those things are, are going to go or predicting where those things might go. So that's been my weird roundabout trip through radio and PT again, looking forward, it wasn't intentional, but looking back, these things sort of make sense. No, that's great. It's uh super interesting how we land. I, as you might not fully appreciate virtually, but you would in person, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a triathlete, so I'm not, uh, it's not exactly my sport of choice. Um, what is but, your sport of choice? What's your jam? Uh, you know, at this point in life, uh, racquetball and those kinds of things, short, 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 sprinty things. Yeah. Long, long runny things. Not my thing. All right. All right. So when you, uh, when you, when you think about this year, Jimmy, what's sort of the biggest, you said there's one big trend that I keep hearing and seeing. Where where would you start? What's the, what's the, what's number, we're going to, we're not going to count down to number one. Right. We're going to start with a big one and then we'll see it, see how we land it. Well, I think there's an overarching theme of this last year because this last year feels like it's been going on since 2020, right? It's, uh, it's adaptation or agility. You know, you mentioned racquetball versus long runny things and short bursty things. I don't know if I've ever seen a sport become invented and then get to this capacity that I have in the last 12 months. I'm talking about a short spurt pickleball, right? Oh, You've yeah. seen so many. So it just I, I'm, I'm amazed by the speed of adoption. I think I think we're getting more and more accustomed to something happens. It's a thing. How am I going to interact with this thing? Am I accepting this thing or am I rejecting this thing? So like an example would be pickleball, which I think is sort of universal. People have decided I'm either going to do this or I'm not. But the people who did, I mean, geez, you want to talk about really changing paradigms. Government is great. Great. It's neither good nor bad. But it typically, traditionally works a little bit slowly. My local park flipped from parking lots to pickleball courts in like three months. I mean, I remember hearing about this pickleball thing and seeing videos. And next thing you know, it was a thing. So I think if there's going to be an overarching theme, it's really adaptation. I think we're getting faster and better. I want to be optimistic at adapting to things in our environment. What what are you, what are the things you're seeing in PT that are forcing us to adapt? We talked about a few of them, a little bit yeah. of a leading question, but when you think about sort of the current environment, what are the streams that you see that are forcing us have to pivot, maybe adapt. Because yeah. right, you and I talked about earlier, like physical therapy fundamentally isn't that different than when I got out, which is about 25 years ago or even before then, right? So the history of PT fundamentally in the outpatient setting yeah. and a lot of other settings isn't fundamentally different. So what are the stressors or the things that you see trending over the last year that are going to push us in a different direction uh, as we go forward? Yeah, I remember standing, you know, in, in my living room last year playing around with a VR headset and thinking, this is really cool to play chess in virtual reality 3D in space. And then, of course, because that's what PTs do is when you put us together, you give us a thing, we start as, you know, peds PTs and geriatric PTs and sports PTs. Like, we just look for how can I adapt this? 
So I would say it's it's this it's these tools. You said our profession hasn't fundamentally changed in 60 years, right? And we actually just celebrated APTA's the American Physical Therapy Association centennial not long ago, which starts to put in perspective how long these things have actually been together, how long we've been a profession. But it looks like the things that are changing really are the things on the outside, the tools, the things that will allow us to and we can mention a few. Um, to allow us to get back to focusing on the thing, people, because it begins and ends with people, practitioner, uh, you know, PTA, front desk person. It, it begins with those and it ends, it needs to end with a patient. Now, what comes in the middle and how we might deliver that, that how is changing. And just like pickleball, they, it changes quick, comes out of nowhere. And next thing you know, it, it sort of reaches max adoption. So when you think about uh, virtual reality, what have you seen in the virtual reality space that you're like, hey, we'll just kick, because I think technology is sort of the big enabler, right. and I, yeah. you know, I'll still align that uh, I've heard you several times in, in United Uses. The, the question is not will tech enter our space, it's a question of who's going to use it. And, and a little bit, of, it's not quite Darwinism, but probably is how do we figure out. So what have you seen? We'll kick, kick through a couple of these. What have you seen in the virtual reality? You're like, wow, that is a cool use yeah. of VR and rehab. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. Um, it was it was sort of like QR codes, right? I, I saw QR codes and I was like, man, if I could push all my chips into the middle of the table and bet big on QR codes. And this is, you know, five, six, seven years ago. I was like, this is going to be the thing. This is going to make a link in re IRL, in real life, clickable. And it re we really didn't see it until we were forced to or our hand was forced more with COVID and more with that. So to be honest, I think VR, we're still sort of treating it like a kitten batting around a ball of yarn. It's really fun. But I think five, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, what took you so long to make it to incorporate it? Because some of the objections would be like, number one, how can I make it therapeutic? It's cool. It's got my attention, right? So games and gamification are the, the direction that I see. But to be honest, I haven't seen people on a mass scale use use VR as much as I thought they would the minute I saw it. I was like, oh, I don't know who's going to do it, but I, you know, I can't wait. I'm sitting here, can't wait to see how this is right. done. I still think it'll happen, but I don't think I've seen it pop yet. So you're not playing Hogwarts chess in VR, so you're like riding the. Anyway, that, that's when you said playing chess in VR. That's yeah. what my kids choose to. So the other thing that I think we see a lot of is just overall virtual practice. Um, and, and sort of the advent of telehealth and sort of this wraparound piece. What what are you seeing in that advent? You talked about this changes everything. But yep. When we think about the phone changing everything, what does that look like? Well, first of all, it's not possible. I remember hearing that in 2020. It's cute. It's nice. We were at CSM in Denver in 2020. Little did we know the world was going to change in just a couple of months. Um, it's not possible. It's cute. It's going to come around, but not for 10 years. Don't worry about it. And then you just feel you can hear the chicken little relax uh, echoing now, of course. So it's, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And of course, as soon as there's a necessity, uh, to quote, uh, you know, Jurassic Park, man, life finds a way, right? So I think, I think the technology, whether it be the phone, the laptop, it's that connection. It allowed the thing that you just mentioned just a couple minutes ago that we're going to keep coming back to, which is the fundamental thing in PT hasn't changed that much. But if I can't be in front of a person, what can I do? How do I find that way? So I think telehealth has opened up a lot of doors. It, it, it led with it's got to happen because necessity is that mother of invention again. And I think it's, it opened a lot of people's eyes 
Uh, Steven Johnson is an author. He writes a lot of books about ideas and ideation, right? Are ideas just lightning strikes and you can never replicate the formula? Or are they so formulaic that you could repeat over and over? He's sort of in the middle with it depends, which is comfortable to say in, in PT. And he calls this, he, he uses this idea of like an infinite chessboard. You're standing on a chessboard, right? And there are boxes in any direction. And he calls these things the adjacent possible. From where you're standing on this infinite chessboard, you can walk forward, diagonal, side to side, diagonal back or straight back. So what happened was there was no need to walk in a unique direction like a bishop before COVID hit. And then when there was, we were all really given generally the same tools, but how we assembled and reassembled and put these into a, a tech stack, if you want to sound like a tech bro, and your workflow, you were able to do with this and these and this and this, something that you could time and space didn't necessarily matter a lot. I saw people doing real-time telehealth or asynchronous uh, telehealth, recording and giving input. And we've been doing that in sports for years. I used to do that with swim lessons to kids and parents. I'd record, do a voiceover, and send it. You can watch it whenever you want. So I think that it comes back to tools. The technology is a tool. Yeah, I think it's what's interesting. Right? If we look at these different technologies that are in place, whether it's VR, all the different wearables, can't, you know, you've got the computer vision, we'll talk about AI in a minute, but AI-driven cameras that can measure things. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of force measuring devices that what I would say finally are at a, a reasonable price point that the clinicians right. can engage in. Right? I don't have to have a, a you know, $100,000 biomechanics lab now to do that. It's what I think about. A lot of this technology actually can have it a reasonable spot in the clinics. And so I think the question isn't technology anymore. It's actually what you hit on in terms of clinical workflow and purpose. And I think the biggest thing I see right now is the gap between there's lots of cool tech tools and right out, I'll, I'll use your tech stacks, but they aren't actually integrated in a clinical workflow. And, and very rarely do we actually ask the question, what problem am I solving? And, and so I think in particular around when we look at technology and integrating it, and it, I think what I've learned over the last year in particular is what, which problem am I solving and for whom? So yeah. I think about, right, ultimately, are we serving and, and helping the um, patients? Are we solving that problem or am I solving a clinician's problem? And yeah. both are good problems to both solve, good problems. Correct. but you got to understand which one you're solving and, and yeah. how to get there. I heard a great acronym. It was easy to remember too. It was GPS. It was goal, process, solution. So it was like, what do you, same, same paradigm, but of course, GPS, so I'm going to remember that, right? So what am I solving for? What's the process that I'll go through? And then what solution do I get by using this process attached to this goal? So if you apply that to, I mean, pretty much any intervention, right? I remember when we were learning therapeutic exercise and the professor, of course, would come up behind you and be like, why this exercise? I'm going to justify your reasoning, which can always make you nervous and get a little sweaty. But you should be thinking that from the from the start, right? You know, Stephen Covey says, uh, start with the end in mind. So why are you doing this thing? Constantly questioning that thing. And if you have reasoning for it, go with it. But if you're not questioning, if you're doing it because we always did, we know exactly what happens. Pe things don't advance when we just do it because we always did. So the last one I'll bring up here in, in, our, uh, in our review tech stack, see what I did there? Yeah. Um, is, uh, is 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 this thing called AI? And so, oh. you know, it's it, it may be the, you know, if you kind of look at things that are trending in the news and stuff, but what are you, what are, what are you seeing in that AI world in our space and maybe adjacent spaces uh, 
that excite you? And then maybe we can talk about a little bit the opportunities. I mean, it's exciting and scary, which is when you know it's a thing, right? I mean, it's not just it's not just cute. I, again, I still think our you know our grandkids are going to look back and be like, "That's all your AI could do, and that's all you thought to do with it." I think it's that second one is like that's all you thought to do with it because right now it's it's intelligence, right? It's not it's not an app. It can't. It, it it's not a GPS. It's not a, it's not a process. It is a process of processes. So it is that again with that infinite chessboard of. You now have adjacent possibles, right? And when it was sort of dropped on our lap, um, we sort of had to think, well, how can I use this, right? So we start to apply AI. Could I integrate this safely into my and properly into my EMR? Could I have it review that patient or all my patients and look, again, we're going to go back to like the theme of this, looking back at history and to be able to predict or to reasonably uh, assess what future would be. So able to able to access people individuals your patients data real information from that person as well as you as a clinician because now can i compare you to the person at the table next to you well we can because data so can we customize experiences right when i log into my gmail it says good morning jimmy right that's cute it knew my name because that's what i put it in but with ai talking about like real customizable experiences for people and getting better value because it's not just a CPG, it's applying a CPG principles or the principles of what we know to this individual case. That's where my head starts to go. It's cute. It, it's a toy. It's cute. But what it can do for individuals is huge. So when you think about that, you know, we've talked about this idea of personalized medicine, right? It's been precision medicine has been thrown around for a minute. And I think typically we look at it from what should I, the provider, give you the right diagnosis because, you know, if you get all the way to the nth degree, because I know what your DNA and your chromosomes are, and therefore this is what your genetics say I should do for you. But I think um, what's really interesting, I think we often ignore what the actual experience is like. So oh, yeah. what, what would you envision? Maybe put on your crazy guy hat looking forward. What, if you think about these technologies together, what kind of experience would you think about creating for patients as you think about what maybe is in front of us of kind of crazy idea out there. It goes back to super basic stuff. There were these books that I used to read in like fourth and fifth grade and I used to cheat with them because they were choose your own adventure books. So you'd get to the end of this, this, this fork in the road in the book. It was like, do you want to run away from a dragon or fight the dragon? You want to run, you go to page 258. You want to fight the dragon, you go to 63. And what, of course we'd always do, I'd hold the page. I'd go forward, see how it was playing out and be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that one. So what I'm getting at is the level of, of specification and personalization that this will be able to do, right? Because it will be able to think, perform simple tasks or advanced tasks that you can teach it to do. You invent the task or the workflow just with your words. Like we're talking about non-coding coding now. Right. So PTs, you can handle this. This is using your words, something you're familiar with to create experiences. Do you want to book your own appointment? OK, you can do that. An AI powered chatbot on your website. It's not like it's not theory. It's already happening. There are companies that are that are that are existing uh, that, are, that are offering this. Um, do you want to be able to change your appointment date? OK, super easy. And the AI can then look at Chuck's schedule and say, hey, that Jimmy just dropped off at 1130. But I know from experience, because they flagged it on his uh, patient intake form, he's actually really, really flexible with his day. So can I call 
that person at three o'clock and shift them to where Jimmy just bailed at 1130. The stuff I'm saying is not theoretical. It is 100% possible right now. The only limitation is, uh, is someone willing to adopt it? Is someone willing to bring it in? And then you get into treatment too, right? Because everything's about, you know, the, the, the experience and the value in treatment. Looking at how someone, this individual is responding with this treatment that should work. It works for 90% of the people. Well, what if I'm what if I'm part of that 10 that doesn't work? What then? That personalization and care and that care delivery is completely possible. It's wild. Uh, and, and I think about, you know, um, I, I wish we had things that work 90% of the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, unfortunately, our evidence or our treatments aren't that good. And so I right. think the challenge is when it's the, at best, probably 75, 25, is it's a lot of people, right? One in four are non-responders. I think it's an interesting thing to start thinking about is actually predicting a treatment path of coming and saying, hey, Jimmy, because you're a triathlete, uh, as average as you are, but hey, you know, you've got that shoulder pain, and based on your history and where you are, this is how I think you're going to do, and here's when I think you'll be better. That's just in, right, it's my... Today, what do I think? What do I know? What do I have access to? And what can I recall? And as opposed to what you're describing, I can, you know, there's a there's a real path yes. to being able to say, hey, no, actually, Jimmy, if you do these three things, 90% of the time you're going to get that outcome, which is just a whole other world. So when you think about um, need the provider and, and the provider experience of treating, I think you know, it's interesting. If I look back 30 years ago, I couldn't find an outpatient PT job. I literally took a job that I was split uh, right out of PT school that I was doing several different things so I could be close to the space I wanted to be to. Right. You flip it now and overwhelmingly, one of the trends we've seen this year is just the, the, the strain on the workforce. But what yeah. is that provider experience right now from your view? Like, what are you seeing and hearing maybe the two or three things that are kind of changing the provider experience over the last, you know, yeah. a year or so. Well, look for people's pain points. And that's the way you can build, you know, a business or an economy around these things. So like where, so again, uh, it really is just two tin cans with a string between it, right? You've got the provider and you got the patient and the stuff that happens in between, right? Information sharing. So looking at just AI, could I interact with a patient and not have to do this thing right here where I get the stare while I'm typing in my laptop and I'm sort of fake listening to you, right? Because we want point of service documentation, but we also want one-on-one -on -one experience with a human being. Could you use some of these tools? And by the way, everything I'm asking, could you, is completely possible right now. Where this, where where some some technology tool listens to what you're saying and I'm saying, composes that note. I let the I let the computer know this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'd like to happen. And it translates that to text. So like right now I'm in my kitchen and I've got a little box over there. I don't want to say the name of the box, but it's it's got a screen on it, and a speaker. It's owned by Amazon. But if I say her name, she's going to start talking to me. Many of our searches are done with these things, these fingers right now. And as we go forward into the future, I don't really do these when I look for the weather. I ask that box over there. So are we able to use this thing without having to lose eye contact or waste time to improve the patient experience, right? Does that does that raise the perceived value of this interaction when when it's actually about me and not about filling in like a giant Mad Libs thing, which is most EHRs, right? Just fill in the blanks. And the funny thing about that phrase, perceived value, 
It's all perceived value. All value is perceived. But why is this person worth $500 and this person is worth $75? You're going to be able to customize experiences so you can spend more time doing the thing Chuck actually got into this profession for, which is this thing, face-to-face, hand, you know, mouth to ear, you know, listening or you know, hands-on, whatever that person requires, the tool's going to hopefully uh, will it, it is able to let you do more of that while still satisfying all these rules and regulations and needs in terms of documentation that are not going away anytime soon. But it will make that provider experience better. That B word, that burnout word, right? This is a big, you know, uh, 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 burden of, uh, of, of all the documentation not going away anytime soon, although the APTA is working on it. This will allow it to still check that box without burning out your brain. So is that if, if you had to think about the, the the trends we're seeing around driving people at least away from traditional profession, uh, you hit on burnout, documentation, just authorization, credentialing, that grind. What are the other factors, maybe a couple other things that, that you're seeing that are kind of shifting providers in other directions? I think it's options. I think I think 30 years ago, I mean, look at this way. We'll, we'll do both of our careers. 15 years ago, I needed to go to a building every day that had a big giant antenna on top with a really expensive microphone and some buttons and a big wall of CDs. Kids, CDs were like these uh, little discs that you put in their mind. So I needed... Did you actually ever... Time out. Did you actually ever DJ with an actual album? Not a I never so I I never played a record, but I did cut uh, tape. I did edit commercials on a reel to reel and do phone calls on a reel to reel. So that's right, almost. I, I'm, I'm aging myself because you know <laughs> you would hear them and they would scratch when they would put them on. Anyway, that's a, a different discussion. So when you think about that that clash between that, how does um, so we talked about two things, right? We talked about patient experience and provider experience and, and that interaction, which I, I like sort of how you put the two in. Let's assume tech's an enabler of those things to make that better and create value on both sides. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was impactful this year is APTA put out the value of PT and I thought yeah. consolidated nicely. Yeah. What, you know, sort of this evolution or aggregation of what PT brings holistically uh, to society. But if you think about that, what would be the one thing? You said, here's the one value that PT brings. How would you say it in, in your, uh, in kind of your, uh, in your, in your lens and what you see? Copywriting. Yeah. So I think one of the strengths of PT is we're so vast, right? You can go from geriatrics to pediatrics to sports to acute care without ever having an, an extra license, right? You have a license and it's so wide. That's our strength. I think our weakness is also we're so wide is how would you explain the value of PT when you really need to talk about the specific things that I get out of it or my grandma gets out of it or my you know six month old cousin can get out of it. So I think I think the APTA report was fantastic. I think people got really I think most clinicians, right, got really hung up on, well, of course we know this, but this report was was put out because we wanted to show value objectively. The report really wasn't for us. We sort of knew that already, right? But now we're able to quantify it. That's awesome. The report was for the people who demand and need quantified information, right? And those are payers, for another word. I don't know, is there a better word to talk about that? Which is, hey, if you give us a dollar 
we'll give you four dollars worth of value. And I think the APT report picked nine conditions. I think it was nine, and showed, hey, for for every dollar you put in for this condition, you actually get nine dollars or seven dollars. I mean, it was exacting six dollars and thirty four cents. So we're able to show those things. I think the thing that people got hung up on was that's not how you show value to a person right the average the average person the consumer the patient of pt because now we go with features and benefits this is for my world right pts i used to say pts were bad at communicating and i've i've amended that because how can you really be bad at something that you never were given the tools the training or the time or the turf like the push to do and what i mean about features and benefits is i heard a lot of great clinicians talk about their degree and how many certifications they got and how many years of clinical experience and those are all features those are great Features are facts. Benefits are emotions, right? So I usually give this quick features versus benefits uh, pitch, which is I have a Jeep. It's red. It's four-wheel drive, four-door, and it's a hardtop convertible. Those are features. If I was going to try to sell a Jeep, just repeating those over and over ad nauseum, I'm not going to really bat very high. But again, those are features. The benefits of my Jeep is, Chuck, when I pull into a parking lot with my red Jeep, I always get attention. Come on, man. I like a little attention. That's me. I want attention, right? It's four-wheel drive. Chuck, do you think my Jeep is scared of snow? I never get stuck anywhere, right? It's four doors. I always have enough room for the party. My friends are always coming with me because I got I got room in the back. And then the hardtop convertible, I go from completely covered and safe to wind in my hair in three minutes flat. So we've talked about the same things. But the features versus benefits, the benefits part is actually valuable to the audience. The features are facts and structure. And when this comes to PT, we if we can show you how you go from the sideline to the finish line, and I'm a runner who hasn't run in a while, that is a that is a benefit to me. The quickest way, the easiest way to remember this is nobody brags about friends with features, right? We've never had friends with features. It's not a thing. So focus on the benefits to communicate what value you you can bring if you work together. So I think it really sort of um, dovetail nicely the beginning and end. So you started and you said, hey, going forward, or what I've seen is those who adapt and have been adaptive helps. And I think the other, so you had to kind of tie those two things together. What do you see going forward as kind of the one thing that's going to be able to articulate benefits and then sort of adapt? How do you think about the future and kind of what you see right in front of us of those opportunities? Well, your question has articulate and people know me. I'll talk about myself because, hey, I'm, I'm a little egotistical. People know me as the guy who talks, but I do a tremendous amount of listening before I do that. Right. There's that old grandma ism of you got two years in one mouth using proportionately. Um, I think the people even even if you're still averse to technology or embracing these things, you're not you're not left off the bandwagon just yet, still moving, right? So do a lot of listening and questioning and look for people who are experts in this. Look for people who are leading the charge. You don't, you don't need to be on the far end of the bell curve just yet and completely flip your practice, but paying attention and listening and seeing how others are doing this. And then look what I did in my career. I took something that didn't make any sense in radio and I brought it to PT. What can you bring? to these things in the current state and mix all these things together, your, your background, your insight, your clinical knowledge, all the things that you, that you got in your practice and from, from school, how do you put these things together? So your question was, how do you articulate it? I would say the future is going to be better for people who are really, really paying attention and spending time 
to see what benefits they can actually bring for the person. Yeah, there and, 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 and I, uh, I'll hit on one thing and listening to our patients and customers. So I'm going to end on the uh, one thing, your favorite PT moment of 23. Oh. We're, we're at the top of the list. You got one thing. What is it? Yeah, it was uh, last February. It was San Diego, snowy San Diego at CSM. Didn't see the snow coming. But we sort of challenged a bunch of different parts of the APTA and ATI as well and said, hey, what if we came together instead of throwing a bunch of different parties, we came together and threw a party because we all love a good party. But at the end of a night, besides just a couple of empty drink containers and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and gratuities for different restaurants, what if we left things with a purpose? So ATI was one of our title sponsors. ATI Foundation was one of our title sponsors. And it was party with a purpose. We rented out the San Diego Children's Museum. We had fun. There was bands. There was maybe some drinks and definitely food and cake. But at the end of the night, we got to write three $10,000 checks. So standing on stage at Party With A Purpose, getting to tell the audience how much money they, the organizations and the people, had helped actually raise and things we can leave behind to transform society because that's that's what our overarching goal for profession was. So that was far and away the best, uh, the best moment of 2023. Well, that's awesome. Jimmy, I really appreciate taking time today as we look back. Look forward to next year and I'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining this episode of Move, and we'll be back with you uh, next year for the next episode. Have a great day.